The Sheila Zielinski Show, the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to The Sheila Zielinski Show. Please make sure that you are following me over there on Telegram. We post all our shows over there and stay in the loop and follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am Real Sheila Z on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, on Instagram, I'm just Sheila Zielinski, all one word. That information is up on your screen there. And hey, I wanted to just announce that I wrote a children's book. If you go in the description below, you'll see a children's book. This book has really close personal value because it actually sprang from these stories I used to tell my three sons when they were little. I would say the age for the book is between three and seven, but the truth is I think that any age would find this book very entertaining. My youngest son, Carter, his nickname, Zilly, of course, a derivative of Zielinski. It's a really cute book, and I hope you really love it as much as I do. Again, it's Silly Zilly. And so, yeah, I really hope you get this book, Silly Zilly. Move over, Dennis the Menace. You haven't seen anything. And a lot of the stories that were actually inspired by my middle son, who was, wow, he was a busy, hyper little boy. (laughs) He got into everything. So again, that is Silly Zilly, available over on my website, SheilaZielinski.com, or simply go to Amazon.com and type it in, Z-I-L-L-Y. So folks, I want to jump into my show today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have on my guest, especially this time of year. It is Dr. William Schnobelin. He was a former satanic high priest who really delved into vampirism. We're talking high-level warlock. He was very esoteric, really had to become a high-level mason and a temple Mormon, if you could believe that. And of course, he wrote that book. Fritz Springer and I just talked about this on our show, how Fritz recommended his book, Joseph Smith in the Temple of Doom, about all about Mormonism. Bill dabbled in just about every side of darkness until Jesus set him free. And now he's had his ministry with one accord for so many years. And I cannot wait to get into this show. Buckle up, folks. You're not going to want to miss this show. And we're going to talk about real life Halloween because folks everybody sort of sees it as this little benevolent thing it's it's just a bunch of kids running around with candy come on nothing to see here folks but we're going to take a deep dive into why parents should really reconsider this time of year and why this high day we're talking real life werewolves warlocks witches and spooky evil all hallows eve So I'm so excited to welcome back on the program, my guest, William Schnobelin. Thank you so much for coming back on, William. Well, I'm excited to be here, Sheila. I just realized I should have said, ex-warlock, Freemasonic, Mormon exposes all, all the juicy goods for Halloween, right? (laughs) Yeah. And the funny thing is, those three things, which seem to be wildly disparate, are actually very strongly connected. You know, the Freemasons and the Mormons, which a lot of people are aware of that, but they aren't aware of the connection between Freemasonry, Mormonism, and witchcraft. Now, before I destroy the mic, I just want to plug this real quick. It's so ironic because Fritz Springmeier and I were literally 
he actually referenced you in a show that just got uploaded. This particular show was a real overview on Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism. And he actually referenced your book, Joseph Smith in the Temple of Doom, said it was one of the best book really on the subject when it comes to Mormonism, Freemasonry, and the Illuminati occult connection. So, I mean, a guy like that to plug your work, you know that you have, you know you wrote a great book there. Well, first of all, let me say I have some exciting news about what Fritz was talking about. And I really appreciate him. He's a good brother. What he's doing and what he has done for, for really decades. Um, the book he's talking about is actually being out of print. This publisher of the book, Jim Spencer, who he had the rights to it and he gave them to me. So I have the PDF file of the book and I have the Word file of the book and we're going to work our darndest to get it ready to be republished again you know, probably with some updates. So that's one of our projects we're going to try and do within the next, you know, three to six months. So just that was sort of a sidebar. But anyway, here's the deal. And I think I probably shared this story, but Halloween is real to me as a danger because of what happened to me. Out trick-or-treating, you know, and I got hit with something. I looked up in the sky. This is back in the 50s. I had never seen a horror movie. My folks were very careful about that. You know, plus there wasn't that much horrible stuff on in the media back in those days. And I looked up in the sky. I was walking with my buddy getting candy. And there was this, the whole sky was full of some black leathery things from horizon to horizon like a dome. It just startled me because the stars were blotted out. And then these things started opening their eyes. And they were ruby red blazing eyes, dozens of them. And I was just petrified. And I just stood there and I even dropped my little bag of candy. And I could feel some kind of an unholy thrill go through my whole body, which I couldn't really even understand. Because I was like 10 or 11 years old. And from that time on, and that happened on Halloween night, it was like I gradually got led into the occult up to the point of by the time I was in my late teens, I was a witch. And that's because I was defiled by the power of Halloween and a few other things too. But this was the moment when it started. And then other things came along later, which are not germane to this discussion. So when people say, oh, it's just a harmless, you know, holiday and all of that. Well, first of all, the word holiday is a misnomer. Holiday means holy day. And there's absolutely nothing holy about Halloween in spite of its name, because it was sort of, quote unquote, baptized by the Catholic Church. They turned it into, of course, they made November 1st All Saints Day, and the eve of that would be, of course, October 31st. So All Hallows Eve, really, the word hallow is just an old English word for something holy, but it's not. The Catholic Church was notorious for taking pagan stuff and slapping a, a Christian veneer on it and then, you know, trying to toddle on with it. And it, 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 you can't do that. You can't put lipstick on a pig and claim that it's kosher. So anyway, that is the problem. And if you go way back, again, just to, I, I don't know how far back you want to go with this, but in ancient Celtic Britain and in, to a lesser extent Northern Europe, this was celebrated as Samhain, who is a god of the dead, devotees, this demonic god would go from door to door and seek basically either offerings of food or else the firstborn child from families in their communities. This was going to be an offering because, see, these people believed that if they didn't give food and blood to this god, that he would die on that night and then never come back. And, of course, for them, that was a catastrophe because they believed that it would be an eternal winter. 
you know, because they didn't understand meteorology back then. So anyway, you had a choice. If you were a family, you could either give them a bunch of your food, which was scarce, of course, or you could give them a child, one of your children. And if you didn't do that, they would mark your house for demonic attack. And they would curse you and they might even physically come after you and slay you and burn you as a sacrifice in like a wicker man in the in the following year. I don't know if you've ever heard of the wicker man. There's a, a really bad recent remake of the film, but originally they made a film back in the 70s. It was really quite masterful. Uh, and it, it showed how there was this island where there's a survival of this, of this kind of cult. And, and they, they, they would put people who were, for whatever reason, unworthy and animals, and this was being done on the Feast of Harvest Home, right before Halloween. Harvest Home is on September 21st, so just weeks away. And they would burn them alive as a sacrifice to this sun god, this Sawi. So that's the beginning of it. And here's the problem. You know, there's an old saying. You know, if you sup with the devil, you'd better use a long spoon. And this is one of the most dark nights. Well, it really is the darkest spiritual night of the year. And that's what happened to me. I mean, my parents didn't know any of this. I mean, my mother was mostly Irish. And, of course, it was the Irish the immigrants that brought, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Halloween to America. Because before that, it was illegal. I'm not sure your listeners knew that, but the... Um, the um, the Puritans and the uh, Baptists that were in Rhode Island, you know, under Roger Williams, and all the colonies except for Maryland. Maryland was kind of the Catholic colony. But other than that, they all, they just said no to Halloween. Halloween was evil. You can read stuff in the Founding Fathers about Halloween being evil and it being pagan. And really, this was going on for the better part of the 19th century until we had this huge wave of, of you know, Irish and also Italian immigrants who were, of course, Catholic. And both groups brought with them their peculiar practices. You know, I mean, every ethnicity has its share of strange things that they do, but I can say this as someone who's half Irish. The Irish are kind of have a quarter on this stuff, you know, with all their banshees and shes and, and, you know, pukas and all this weird junk leprechauns. So anyway, that is when it started becoming big in America. And after, of course, a few decades, people started releasing. We can make fun. We can make uh, money off of this. And so it began to be commercialized. But none of this stuff changes the spiritual danger of it because it's you know this is what the devil does he 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 comes and like paul says as an angel of light and and the church has, has you know the catholic church has made this into a supposed because november 1st is actually a um a holy day of obligation they call it in the catholic church and i was raised catholic by the way and um so it's a very serious time, but, but, but it's actually a time when, when your children are in great peril. And not only in the sense that I was, but children, I mean, this is a time, like in our, a different book of mine, Lucifer Dethroned, we have um, a pretty thorough 
um, listing and an appendix of the satanic holidays. And Halloween is one of the premier satanic slash witchcraft holidays. And and on this night, and now mind, I'm talking about Satanists now, I'm not, and I, the hardcore ones, I'm not talking necessarily about these, you know, temple of satanic, whatever they are, that, that are being such a political force right now. But the hardcore Satanists of whom I used to be a member, they would actually require, be required to kill children on this night. To, again, feed the blood of, because you see, you know, the devil is the deity, the demon behind these false gods. Most Christians understand that. But they have no power. Because, you know, Moshiach, Jesus Christ, said in Matthew 28, all power on heaven and earth is given unto me, Yeshua. And so how much power does that leave for the devil? Absolutely none. So the only place he can get power from is from people that are stupid enough to worship him. To, you know, in whatever manner, whether it's in a minor way or whether it's, you know, obviously, you know, to offer child sacrifice is a huge thing, a crime and all of that. But, And he lives on the blood of these poor, innocent babies. Or sometimes adolescents, I mean, they also love to sacrifice virgins, uh, you know, adolescent age, things like that. So it's, it's an abominable night. And the darkness is profound. And, I mean, we tell people, you know, we're told to avoid the appearance of evil. Paul tells us that. And, and yet there are all kinds of Christians out there that are totally clueless. I just, my wife just read me a thing the other day from uh, CBN where one of these guys did a survey. It might have been Barna, I believe. And 71% of pastors evangelical pastors here in America, I know you're up in Canada, but probably similar, they have no problem with Halloween. 71%. That's appalling to me because we've been beating this drum for the dangers of Halloween. I first put out a tract when I was working with Ed Decker, which he was happy to promote. We still have it on our website. It's called Halloween, Tis the Season to be Evil. And and it kind of outlines in brief tract, you know, form the problems with Halloween. But the church is just totally clueless on this for the most part. Obviously, there's a remnant that's that's got the truth, but you know, most most Christians don't don't have have never been warned. And that this is on the pastors. You know, they always say that the pew cannot rise higher than the pulpit. But in many cases, it has. I mean, there there are places where. Christians have just gone up and told their pastor off for not preaching against Halloween. William, can I can I throw something in here? Just sure um, that I think is so you you nailed it when you said that pastors are really complicit and and now the churches are having harvest parties if you can believe that. But uh, did you ever know Doc Marquis? He did a presentation uh, one time at the Prophecy Watchers, and he claims that if you go back at the and I th- I want to say the Mayans, but it might have been the Inca 
Incas, and it even probably predates this with these demon-filled druids. I think it really goes back to the druids when they used to take a cauldron and then they would capture people for their wicker man and they would actually make them in boiling water. That's where the bobbing for apples came. Mm -hmm. They would also put entrails of animals out in a jack-o'-lantern on their porch in uh, the noblemen of the country because when the veil was the thinnest on Halloween night, the veil, the spiritual veil, they would put animal guts and entrails in a burning, usually something that looked like a squash. So a lot yeah. of the stuff, these rituals that parents are doing, like bobbing for apples, wearing masks, what they don't understand is how evil this is, do they? No, and you know that you're right. At the end, you said squash because they didn't really have pumpkins. They're kind of a new world thing. But you're at, yeah, he's he's right on. And and that whole thing. I mean, uh, in in fact, in this little tract, we document the fact that all of the because there's an iconography, if you will, about Halloween. I mean, the black cats, the witch on a broomstick, the spooks, that kind of thing. And each one of those things is in itself. You know, not that anything's wrong per se with black cats, but they are, of course, associated like with the the, the Egyptian god Bast, and of course the witch on a broomstick. Yeah, that's pretty self-evident. Um, but you know, skeletons, spooks, all of these things. And of course, now in the last fifteen, twenty years, it's gotten worse. And you have vampires, you have werewolves, and people are putting this stuff out on their front lawn. And I think I said, talked about this on Shannon's show, this idea, it's like a, a spiritual contagion that gets worse unless it's treated by the power of Christ, by the power of repentance of people throwing this stuff in the trash heap. But there's a, you know, I was driving through a neighborhood going somewhere. It was a very Tony neighborhood. And they had this whole diorama on their front lawn. And I actually stopped to look at it. It had gravestones. It had you know, a skeleton looking from behind a tree, and it had like a zombie baby crawling out from the ground by a headstone chewing on somebody's hand. Now, you know, can you imagine, I mean, to me, that just, whoever did that had to be demon-possessed because that's just beyond bizarre. People have giant 20, 30-foot inflatable Frankenstein monsters, and, and they don't realize all of these different things. I mean, you know... I could do a whole show on the origins of the Frankenstein thing, but that's, you know, not within this hour. I just, I just, these people do not understand the spiritual power of all this imagery they surround themselves and more importantly, they surround their children with. And, you know, somebody sent me a meme because they, I've never made it a, a secret about how I feel about this. And it's from, I'll give credit here. It's great. It's from truthignited.com. And it says this, what Halloween teaches kids. Number one, it's okay to do evil things if it's at church. Number two, witchcraft and idolatry can be fun. Number three, popular culture is superior to God's laws. Number four, if other Christians do it, it must be okay. Uh, you can rebrand evil and make it good. See, that's what the Catholic Church did with Sowie. Fitting in is more important than being holy. And finally, if it doesn't look evil, it must not be that bad. 
I went into a bookstore two weeks ago and get this. You would not believe you'll be you'll be stunned. I mean, nothing probably surprises you, but this <laughs> this this is gonna shock you what is in the bookstore right now. It says Spellbook, a guide to spells, potions, and hexes for the aspiring Salem witch. It's oh, yeah. called Hocus Pocus. Oh, and guess who the author is? Disney. Mm. So that's one oh, of the bo- that's one of the books, and let me read the other four, and I'm going to put this up on the screen for the folks. So here's a picture that I snapped: Pendulum Magic on sale for 15% off. Witchcraft: A Guide to Magic Spells and Potions. Here's the third book: The Wild Goddess Oracle, a 52 card deck and golden book of tarot. The classic tarot Dark Cauldron is another book, and the th- uh, second book is so these are six books that are sitting on a shelf and all of them are either to do with pendulum tarot witchcraft or golden oracle and the and this is ages 10 to 15 year olds are buying this like i mean we thought harry potter was bad they're they're not even hiding this anymore william no let me just say two things about that number one that that black cauldron thing i don't know is that also a disney publication well, no, but I did a show called Disney Deception where I really get into the bells. This was seven years ago. I did. It's actually got a million hits out there. Disney, yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. I, I love that show. I think I messaged you about it. That's one of the best things I've ever seen on Disney. But way back, I think it was like in the 90s or the late 80s, they had a movie called The Black Cauldron, Disney. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it was basically, I, I wrote a whole article for it on it on it for ed decker when i was working with him and it's basically based on the mabinagion which is a welch kind of like the bible of welch paganism you know and, and they're promoting this stuff i mean you know you know and yet they never make a movie about jesus or moses or anything or if they did they'd screw it up the way they did with that movie with uh what's his name in it the the uh noah and the ark or whatever movie was that, yeah that was russell crowe he did russell crowe that's i had him momentary lapse but the other thing is you know when i was inducted into witchcraft half a century ago you could not go into a bookstore and find hardly any books on the occult even a big i mean you know large city bookstore like the harvard coop which is associated with harvard university you had to go into the back room and know somebody and have almost like kind of a secret handshake or whatever. And they'd bring out this book in a brown paper wrapper, and it was really expensive. And then that was an occult book, a serious occult book, not minor things, you know. So that's how much the, again, contagion. This started out with the 50s and 60s with the legalization of witchcraft in Britain, and then it spread to America. And because of our First Amendment, which is usually a blessing, but like everything else, the devil will use stuff like that and trample on it and use it to try and destroy the church and destroy the faith of Christians. So now, like you say, I know I the last time you know I was in a like a Borders or Barnes and Noble or whatever, I was they had like five or six shelves of occult books like you're describing. Some of them damnable. I mean, they have copies of the Necronomicon. It's a supposedly fictional book from the works of H.P. Lovecraft, who's a famous American writer of, of horror and, and kind of science. It's kind of, he kind of blends horror and science fiction. Yeah, but Lovecraft was actually, he was a self-professed, total straight-up Luciferian. Here, I, I'll put some of his books up on the screen. I mean, this guy was a straight-up, right straight out of the pits of hell, this Luciferian. Yeah, 
And and this book, which you know his defenders claim is fictitious, is really not. But the book Necronomicon it means literally laws of the dead. And basically, what happened was is there is a real Necronomicon. I've seen it. But some guy put out a reasonable facsimile of it and published it in a limited edition at first of 666 copies. And the guy that owned the occult bookstore. Before I was trying to buy it, he was kind of, he was a friend sort of, and he was trying to talk me out of it. He says, listen, the first guy that bought this book, he took it home, showed it to his wife. They were having dinner with their little girl. She got up, went in the bathroom and cut her throat from ear to ear, killed herself. Oh my. So the guy obviously brought the book back. And so the next guy that bought the book, he took it home and he had a big black cat that he, of course, was very fond of. And when he walked in the door, the cat looked at the book and, you know, did the cat thing that all of his hair stood up. And the cat started running around in circles faster than you can imagine. And he happened to live like an intense story of a high rise overlooking Lake Michigan. And he, the cat jumped out the window and, of course, killed itself. So he brought the book back and I was dumb enough to buy it. And I don't know if it was because God had his hand on me, even back then when I was as stupid as a box of rocks about spiritual matters, but it didn't do anything for me. And But that, to me, that illustrates the power of having an occult book in your home for evil. And even if it might not be quite as spectacular as that, the, again, the idea of contagion. That's why we warn people, you know, don't have those kind of books in your home. I mean, if you're a minister and you're doing apologetics work, you know, like I was, I used to have a huge occult library. Um, that's a whole other story. After I got saved, but I got rid of all that. Once I wrote Lucifer Dethroned and Masonry Beyond the Light and Blood, you know, my books on that subject, that was it. I got rid of them. I burned them. But people that think they can have those kind of books in their home, especially if they have children, it is just foolishness. And you mentioned like Harry Potter, uh, but but that's that's a big thing too. But I would I'm more worried about the kind of books you're just talking about, where they're, you know, actually teaching people how to do magic. And they're little. I mean, they're for little not little kids, but I mean they're for you know junior high and so on and up. And that's that's scandalously dangerous, but they don't care. They just want to make money. And, of course, Disney for decades has been in the business of corrupting, you know, innocent young minds. But you've already covered that brilliantly. But, yeah, people need to realize the danger of this stuff, having it in their homes. And even like I tell people, don't even like if Mormon missionaries come to your door, don't take a book of Mormon. When the Jehovah Witnesses come to your door, don't take one of their dumb magazines because those things are filled with dark spiritual energy. In fact, the Book of Mormon, they actually will tell you the Book of Mormon has a familiar spirit. And the poor Mormon missionaries, they're just, they're just innocent kids, you know. But, but they don't understand a, a familiar spirit as a demon, you know. So be careful what you bring in your home. And, I mean, in all of these areas. So anyhow, I be, we kind of got off on a tangent there about books and things, but you know it's so important to realize that when you when you participate in things like Halloween, you are basically like this little meme I, I read you. You know, you're letting your kids understand that somehow being cool and having fun is more important than 
being true to the Bible. And but also, and also the, the fact that churches are having harvest parties. I mean, the fact that, you know, when you look at Burning Man, Wicker Man, all these things that people think are benevolent and pastors are just so mindless when it comes to this, when people are bringing in, you know, oh, well, I just have a little bowl of candy I give out. It's, you know, Sheila, relax. But this is the part where people, it says, do not be deceived, Jesus said. Yes, you've got to, you know, I, I just did a, pro, a big conference this morning. I said, the church individually and collectively needs to pray for discernment and for for being watchful, you know we have to watch and we have to pray. Uh, that's part of the armor in Ephesians six. And most Christians, and a lot of it is not their fault. It's because their pastors just, I don't know. Anyway, but yes, they have to be mindful. They have to be discerning about this stuff because it's and it's costing us a whole generation of children. I mean, right now, our young people, between our educational system in America, and I'm sure it's similar in Canada, and the media, it's just like they're running our kids through a meat grinder, spiritually. Again, those are those are very popular books with young people, and they don't understand that, you know, just because it's presented as fiction doesn't mean that there is a dark reality behind them. And when they get, they get involved in this stuff, and... And you, I mean, you know, I don't know what you pay attention to the to the sci-fi media, but there, there are a lot of people that just get totally into this, and they have cosplay, and they dress up like, you know, different characters out of Games of Thrones or, you know, superhero movies, all of this stuff. And to a degree, it's harmless. But when you start getting that involved in this dark stuff, and mind you, Game of Thrones is plenty dark from what I understand. I never watched it. Yeah, but do people realize when they dress their kids up as these witches, witches, Wizards, werewolves, every goblin, Little Mermaid, I mean, marine spirits, every Oy, ghoul yeah. out of the pit of hell, William. I know, I know, and they don't they don't know about that. And again, Hosea 6, 4, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because thou hast forsaken the law of thy God, I will forget thy children. I mean, that ought to be nailed to the door of every church because most churches have forgotten the law of their God and they they don't have knowledge in a good sense. The word there in, in Hebrew is binah, which means to discern. And they don't have that. I mean, they think, like you say, there's nothing wrong with having their children dress up like a vampire or dress up like Dracula or a werewolf or whatever the case might be. That's just horrible because you're taking on a persona and that persona brings with it a certain spiritual baggage, which might vary from case to case, depending on how strong the child's character is, how well formed his character or her character is. But it's dangerous. It's like throwing your child into a room with a bunch of people that are infected with some anthrax or something and hoping their immune system is strong enough to not let them get sick. Well, they get they bring in demons, but not only that. Think about the vampire. We talked about this on our last show about the craze of the Twilight series and now this new America. I mean, it's the blood, the lust for blood. We see this stuff with adrenochrome and you know other weird stuff that all these Hollywood pedophiles and Satanists are into. But this obsession with blood and Jesus said. 
life is in the blood. So it's no wonder that satanic weirdos have a fascination with this obsession with blood drinking, don't they? Oh, well, yeah. Now, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but the last book I wrote was called Romancing Death. And it was a detailed study, it's now about 10, 11 years old, of the twilight phenomenon and the pop culture vampire phenomenon and the whole culture of death that permeates the modern popular culture. You know, zombies and walking dead and all this garbage. So, you know, you might, if you want, I'll send you a copy of the book. But it's, it's really a problem because that, that Twilight series, which is now kind of the old thing, but it really romanticized on a teen level, on an adolescent teen level. That was its target audience, young teen girls. The idea of, oh, I can stay beautiful forever. Oh, I can live forever. I can, you know, be powerful and strong and blah, 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 blah. And, and of course, the irony of it is, is the woman that wrote it is a Mormon, a self-described devout Mormon, Stephanie Meyer. So, you know, it's it's really quite an amazing series of, I mean, it's literary garbage. I mean, it's not even well written. But, you know, in terms of its spiritual impact, I'm sure it's been enormous. And that's why I think that I, I wrote the book. So, but yeah, I mean, drinking blood is at the core of satanic ritual. And because, again, the devil gets his power. And so if you're full of demons and you, I mean, there are actually nightclubs in any large city you go to. And I, I heard there was one in Vancouver where there's, it's like a vampire nightclub where you can go kind of like a gay bar, if you will. But instead of that kind of thing, you're, you find someone and you drink each other's blood. And look at in L.A., they have that cannibal restaurant. I, I'd heard about that. I haven't had time to, I didn't know if that was even true or not, but I want to doubt it. I can speak really quickly on the Vancouver, Canada, uh, the Vampire Club, that what's interesting is they're vampire-friendly bars, and they literally say this. And let me tell you something. If, it says if you're looking for a real vampire, and of course it always caters to the gays. I, I find those oh, two yeah. interchangeable. But it's the perversion. Gay is perverted enough, the homosexuality, but now they have to throw new, gross, disgusting things in there, don't they, William? Oh, yeah, because it's never enough. And I, I can tell you that from personal experience from my days back in the occult in the 70s. It's like, you know, you go from white witchcraft, in my case, to sort of gray witchcraft, to Satanism, and it's never enough because you keep wanting more power, more wisdom with quotes around it, more thrills. And I think that's partly why the Hollywood movies have gone from relatively mild back in the 70s to just beyond disgusting. Romancing death. So you actually do get into like the blood and the vampirism and all that. Oh, yes. Excellent. And I, I spend a whole, I mean, there's some history in it. And then I analyze the books, you know, the Stephanie Meyer books. And I also talk about the spiritual dynamics. I talk about, there's a whole chapter about Lilith. There's a whole chapter about the Stregoi, which is the, the ancestral thing of vampirism. You know, it goes all the way back. Because this has been around since the days of Cain. You know, there's been at least since the days of, you know, after the flood. You know, when it's not new. I mean, there have been blood-drinking demonic people, you know, for the last 4,000, 5,000 years. Well, look at, look at modern-day Druidism is making a resurgence. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
and it's even made its way into the Christian church. I mean, I, I think it was not the current, but the last Archbishop of Canterbury of the Anglican Church was also a Druid. Oh, you got to be that, kidding me. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't follow it real closely, but he, he was, I think he was a man of some Welsh background. They, they really are into their Druid stuff, and, and he, he became a Druid in addition to being an Archbishop in the Anglican Church. Well, we have no proof of this, but I've had people over the years, and Fritz Springmeyer's worked with people that have come out of the Illuminati that have said that they were, they've witnessed, even in the Catholic Church underneath some of the underground networks, they, they do blood sacrifices. Sure they do. We've had dozens of people testify to that. Uh, you know, and again, it's because they need blood. And the Catholic Church went off the rails and became, you know, totally evil about a thousand years ago. And it got even worse after Vatican II. And I don't know if you heard about this or not, but in 1960, are you familiar with Malachi Martin? I not only read his books, I actually have talked a lot about how he died under very, and what he exposed in the 1960s about the Satanists in the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea of the church being offered over to Lucifer. Yeah, that was right after the death of uh, Pope John Paul XXIII. But the thing that people don't understand, uh, <clears throat> my voice is getting rough here, the thing people don't understand is that the occult, people high up in the occult, really believe that on All Hallows' Eve, I think this is the important point of the show, is that the spiritual veil is very thin, the veneer is thin. In other words, that particular night, and I don't know if it's even, you know, before the high days, probably going into the end of October, beginning of November, this solstice, this high day, they really believe the veil of the spiritual world is thinner. And so, and I don't know why that is, but, you know, a lot of time we talk about things like Mercury retrograde and all these uh, sun and moon holidays, lunar magic, thirgy. So people just have to understand the veil is much thinner. You know, they say the orb, the sphere of influence. So I think that's important. Yeah, they they very much believe in the idea that as as you as you say, there's what is called an orb in the occult of influence that starts two or three days before one of these big holidays like where in this case the magic quote-unquote that's happening is the veil between the world of the dead and the world of the living becomes thinner and thinner and then at the night the actual night um, the dead walk the earth and you can contact you know your departed loved ones dear old uncle harry which of course is forbidden in the bible and this isn't really true but what is the truth behind it is that this is we understand from the Bible, like, you know, from the story of this, the witch of Endor, that these are demons pretending to be loved ones, relatives, deceased relatives, appearing to people to mislead them. And I can tell you this because I used to be a medium. The first official thing I got into in 1972 was I was ordained as a spiritualist medium for the Alliance of Divine Love Church. And I would have supposedly these ascended masters and spirit guides speak through me and give messages to people about their departed loved ones. And I know now it was demons because demons have access to this information. They know what dear old Uncle Harry was his favorite, you know, dessert or something. You know, they know all this stuff and they will use this. And, and God forgive me, I deceived hundreds of people over the years by giving them readings 
and, you know, telling them this and that and the other thing. And, oh, there is no hell. Because that's what all these different people tell you. There's no hell. They'll either preach reincarnation. And we have a whole thing about that. A whole We have a straight talk on reincarnation on our website. But um, it's all a big lie. And it's to deceive people, to keep them from repenting, keep them from taking the gospel seriously. Well, let's talk a little more about that. that well, I want to talk about uh, something you just said, a little bit more about this, because the Witch of Ender, just so people know, in the Hebrew text, was consulted by Saul to summon the spirit of the prophet Samuel, and Saul mm. wanted to receive advice on how to defeat the Philistines in battle. But not only that, there was prior attempts to consult God through sacred lots and other means he thought failed, and he really went off the rails with this Witch of Ender, did didn't he? Yes. With, with the talismans, yeah. like she owned talismans and everything. So we can see, and that's not the only account we see that even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, I mean, there's lots of these wizards and witches. Yes. I mean, there's the woman in Acts with the spirit of divination that, that she actually followed Paul around and said, you know, and I think it was Paul and Barnabas, or maybe it was Paul and Silas, and would say, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they are here to give you the, the way of salvation. And even though she was saying the truth, Paul finally got tired of it, and he rebuked her and commanded the Spirit to come out of her, and then she was set free. Well, and what does it say there in Acts 8, 9, 2? I think it's Acts 8, 9, or 9, 8. It says, remember, the man Simon had done witchcraft there with the people of Samaria. It said, we're surprised at the things he did. Oh, yes. Yes, he was a very powerful sorcerer, but unfortunately, you know, he, he got mercenary about it. He figured he could use, he could get, quote unquote, saved and then use the Holy Spirit to make money because he saw what Peter and the other apostles were doing was more powerful than what he did, and he wanted that. And that's not good. And there are, there are um, not, you know, there's sort of apocryphal accounts of a battle, a spiritual battle between him and Peter. Yeah, because remember Peter said, may your money be destroyed with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money? He said, yeah. your heart is not right in God's sight. You have to be, he actually said you have to repent from this, which uh, you never hear that message very much anymore, do you? <laughs> no, not really. And that's that's a tragedy. But um, there is this apocryphal account where the where Simon was going to prove to everybody that he was this great power. You know, and he got up on top of this tall building, and he was going to fly off the building. And Peter was down there on the ground, and he just prayed. And the story, I mean, this isn't in the Bible, but it's, you know, it's a piece of apocryphal literature that's regarded as having some truth. That the that Simon leapt off the building, had this big cloak, and he was going to be kind of like Batman, you know, float down. And instead, he just dropped like a rock and <laughs> killed himself. Absolutely. And and that, then all the people were, you know, they were willing to repent and, you know, follow Christ. But that's, that's very typical of encounters. You know, and I again, I don't know, I've told this story, but when I was a Satanist, me and my mentor, who, but he was a very high-level Satanist, we were given a lot of money to curse this guy's wife because he wanted to get rid of her and keep the children, you know, that kind of a thing. And anyway, we sent every curse after this woman that we could think of. Big voodoo curses, satanic curses, all this stuff. And it kept bouncing back at us, and we'd get the curse. And finally, we said, what's going on? We asked the guy, what's going on with her? And he said, well, she is a Christian. And it's like, ugh. We got just creamed by the angels that were around this woman protecting. Hallelujah. 
And back then, I think I should have figured that out. But I was so overweened with pride, and I had a big ego, and I had a big intellect, and I thought I was this great, awesome sorcerer. And I had to flobble around for five years in a Mormon church before I finally got the message. Well, I mean, as a witch, as a former witch wizard that practiced Satanism, high-level Mormonism, probably necromancy, medium, I mean, it all blends together. What is really important, Chris, you know, people that are listening, if people don't remember anything, I mean, what is really important? I mean, just take the mic and I'll not interrupt and you just okay. go wherever the Lord leads. Well, I think what's most important is that if you are walking close to Jesus and, you know, if you're if you're a genuine Christian and you don't struggle with some kind of serious besetting sin, you should be pretty much immune to this kind of spiritual attack. Uh, but you need to take your Christian walk seriously. And if you're a parent, you know, you need to hear what Sheila and I have been saying for the last hour and keep your children close in this season because there, there are people out there, not many of them, but enough, that are more than happy to grab your children off the street and take them and do horrible, unspeakable things to them in the name of Satan. It's true. And it's been true for before the dawn of time. The idea of child sacrifice goes all the way back to Moloch. So I would say that if I were a parent, I would pray over my house. I would make sure I would bless my house. And again, we have we have on our website, withoneaccord.org, we have prayers people can download on how to bless their home, which makes them more demon-proof, and, and prayers for how to remit the sin of the shedding of innocent blood yes, over the Lamb. Yes, That's critically important. Most Christians don't know that. And then keep, like we talked about earlier, keep evil out of your house, whether it's evil TV programs or stuff coming off your phones or books, you know, like Books of Mormon or occult books. We, I'll tell you, we have this one video on our YouTube channel. we got more than 200 videos up now. It's one of the biggest ones for viewership. It's called Dark Portals into Your Home. And it talks about all the way the, the ways that the devil can access through, you know, the conventional ways, but also through all of these new digital media. So keep your home buttoned up tight and treat your children how to pray, teach them how to be righteous. And, you know, frankly, if it were me, I'd keep them out of public school uh, if you can possibly do that. But just really button things down, especially over this season. And animals, too, if you have pets, realize they're going to grab dogs, they're going to grab cats, and do horrible things to, the, to your beloved family pets, too. Because part of this is spiritual terrorism. Wow. They do this to frighten people. They do this to demoralize people, to make people lose their faith. And it, it's just a tragedy that we have allowed this country to get to this point. But, but here we are, and we need to be a beacon of light from the light of Christ, like we are the light of the world. And if you have a godly home, a set-apart home, and you know you pray over everything and all of that, it should be relatively safe from the attacks of the evil one. And then just keep your kids home on that night and maybe a couple nights either way. Or else don't go to a harvest party at the church. But if the church is just, I, a lot of people say, I'm just fasting. I'm going to pray and fast for my community Amen. on this night. So that's up to you. And the irony of it is it's also Reformation Day. October 31st is when Martin Luther nailed the 99 Theses to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. That's right. And So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can celebrate that. 
Well, and you know, here's the thing that you just said that's so important. This is the season of the witch with All Hallows Eve. It is very much spiritual. And by the way, um, I just want to say something exciting, folks. What I'm going to send you with any donation of the amount, any amount in October, November, I'm going to send you a PDF of Power Prayers Warfare that works my book on spiritual warfare and actual prayers. And I've got a prayer that I've been working on over the last 10 years it's actually a warfare prayer against Halloween and coming against what day it is and the shedding of innocent blood is in there. I mean, it's really powerful. I'm going to send that PDF out and also two of William's books because our ministry is also going to send William's ministry a donation. So folks, get these two of William's books. I'll send you the PDF of Romancing Death and Mormonism, the Temple of Doom. And as a bonus, I'm going to throw in the warfare prayer against Halloween that everybody should be doing starting now. And there's no reason that your prayer group and your church shouldn't be doing prayer walking over your city and that territorial spirit of Halloween, the strong man. I mean, it's, it covers it all. The harvest stuff, the necromancy. I love that term, by the way, spiritual terrorism. They do want to install fear. That's one of the enemy's greatest weapons. So in the last part of the show too, William, did you say that you have a Bible track dealing with Halloween as well? Because we could throw that in there as well. It's, it's just now a PDF file on our website. It's called Halloween Tis a Season to be Evil. And we'll throw in that too, folks. Halloween Tis the Season to be Evil, the Bible track. And with this arsenal, folks, it's really powerful. So um, in the last part of the show, William, um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have you pray. And again, folks, I'm going to tell you there's nothing better than coming in one accord in our authority where two or one get this Halloween spiritual warfare pray and prayer and start doing it over this uh, this evil, evil season that we are encroaching upon. I mean, today at the time we're doing this recording, uh, Monday, the 24th of October, all through November. This is really, it's a high day and people need to realize that. But Brother William, if you could pray, let's get into some prayer at the end of the program here. And then I'll, sure. but before we pray very quickly, give out your website again for the folks. Sure. And let me just parenthetically, well, okay, before I pray, I'll uh, just, our website is withoneaccord.org. All of my books, all of our DVDs, and tons of free stuff that you can download. Uh, I'm going to, just as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to email Sheila this uh, Halloween tract. And, you know, you can do the same thing. You can download it and send it to 50 different people. I don't care. We want to get the word out. And we, we do need donations. We are using PayPal. <laughs> We're still kind of stuck with it. And then we also have a text-to-give number, which is you use this on your cell phone through WePay. And the cell number is 844-948-3923. And we'd appreciate your prayers, too, please, and your support financially. So, Okay, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to speak the truth about these dark seasons that we're in. And I just come against the spirit of sowing, the spirit of death and destruction, the spirit of bloodlust, all of these different things, Father. We, we come against them, the deaf and dumb spirit. And we bring the strong name of Yeshua the Messiah against all of these wicked things, the Antichrist spirit as well, Father, and the spirit of legion. We just destroy them right now by the power of the cross and the stripes and the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. And, Father, we also pray 
that you would please bring comfort and blessing to everybody hearing this. Father, we don't want to give people fear. We want to give them hope. If I, if anything else came out of this message, I want it to be that as powerful and as scary as these various witches and Satanists are, Jesus is infinitely more powerful, infinitely more loving, and eventually all those unholy people will bow the knee and confess him as Lord, as the sovereign king of the universe right now. And Father, we just ask for protection for everybody listening, for protection for Sheila and her family, and protection for me and my family and our respective ministries. And Father, we just we just right now smash the spirit of Halloween. We smash the spirit of death and we come against all of these things, all of these foul spirits and strongholds that the devil is trying to create. We just bring them down right now with the mighty power of the battle axe of Elohim and his glittering spear, Father. We just declare that they are null and void. We declare that they have no power over us, for we are bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb shed on the cross of Calvary. And we declare this right now over the airwaves and over the world in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Yes, and Father God, arise and send, it says in the scripture, your breaker to destroy every satanic altar, every astral power, every dark altar, spell, curse, hex, vex, smash to pieces every device of the enemy it assigned during this holiday. And Lord, we're asking right now, we're, we come against, in the name of Jesus, Luke ten nineteen says, behold, I give you power and authority to tread on these serpents, these devils. We thank you that you gave us power, authority, and dominion over all the power of the enemy. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Christ of Nazareth, Yeshua, Hamashiach, we bind, cage, chain, and command every devil curse or assignment during this season. We bind and break the power of all these strong men of hallow, all hallows Eve. And Lord, we ask you to put a wall of fire, the Holy Ghost around us. According to Zechariah 2, 5, we bind that strong man. Satan, we bind you, rebuke you, and render you powerless. And those demons that are operating against God's people this season, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bind in everlasting chains. The these unclean, familiar spirits, ancestral spirits, Python, Baal, uh, Cobra, Moloch, every demonic entity that forms these barriers and form these weapons, Lord, no weapon formed against us. We bind the prince of the power of the air that's operating in the children of disobedience. Father, we cut off all these curses, incantations, rituals, altars, sacrifices, and we sever the supply lines of these things right now. And we bind up the spirits of witchcraft that are assigned against, especially your ministries like Will Williams and myself, and we break every evil soul tie from these things. And Father, we sever these evil transmission lines. And it says we're supposed to be, uh, we ask you to give us keen discernment and wisdom that we might be as wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. And we thank you now for turning every curse that would come against us or ours into a blessing. It's our good and your glory. And we bind all the spirits of backlash, revenge, retaliation, and even retribution. Father, your will be done. We give you the thanks, the honor the glory and the praise for this show and we cover ourselves and our families this season with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and William I want to thank you for coming on and I say amen and amen in Jesus name yes amen folks uh, William's information is linked in the description below the website is up on your screen there and William first of all I, I want to just say on a personal note thank you for all your decades in ministry I really want to encourage people listen it's a worthy ministry of support. He gave you the information for how you can support that ministry. It's important, folks, to not just eat the meat of these shows, but also, folks, there's a cost. Don't think there's not a cost for us to put this information out there. Please do support ministries like 
Sheila Zlinsky Ministries, William Schnoblin Ministries, folks. Again, it's so important to get this information. Go talk to your pastors. Talk to people in your church. Talk to your neighbors about these things, folks. It's not okay to be silent about these because we don't want to offend anybody. And I want to just personally thank you, William, for your years of uh, serving the body of Christ. Thank you, sir. And I really look forward to coming back real soon. Yes, that would be awesome. God bless you, you, William. Okay, yeah. Bless you. Folks, his information is linked in the description below. His website is there as well, and you can go and check out all of his stuff. And I really appreciate everyone tuning into the program today. And be sure to go over there to SheilaZelinski.com and go to the contact page and reach out to it as well. And I do hope that you will financially support this ministry. It's really needed, and I really appreciate you. And just know that we do pray for our supporters, and we really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. We'll see you real soon. Good night, and God bless you.